going to come and, and read for us. And as, as we do that, for those who are, who are with us each week, you will have noticed that something is different. You will notice that we have these, these new Bibles with us this morning. So I'm going to ask us sort of like to, to kind of find a Bible as, a, as Amanda comes out. She's going to read what we're going to read. And I want you to find page 228. Now this is where it's going to get a bit confusing because there are two pages that have got 228 on it. That's because in the Bible there are two parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament. So you need to find the New Testament part of page of 228, which if you don't know where that might be, if you like, start from the back and work that way, and then you'll suddenly see that it's not too far away. So I'm just going to pray a special prayer of blessing and dedication upon these particular Bibles. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, for this book. This book that is the most precious thing that the world affords. And so Lord, we pray as this Bible will be used through the years and through the decades in this place. We pray that it would be a lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. Lord, that you would speak through it to show us the way. That you would help us to see who, who Jesus is and know his truth. And through reading these words, we may live a life like he would desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The readings are taken from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. The first reading is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 to 17, page 228 in the New Testament. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. The second reading is Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 to 20. Page 4 in the New Testament. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. We 
We are living in a time when we are better connected than ever before. And as soon as something happens anywhere in the world, we know about it straight away. But with so much information at our fingertips, it can be hard to sift out the really important from the superficial. For many people, the Bible seems a bit outdated, boring, or just plain hard to understand. What can the Bible possibly say to us in the 21st century? Have I ever read the Bible? No. Yes. I've read parts of the Bible. I've read the whole thing. As a kid, I did. I used to have like our own like special ones. We used to have like the child Bibles with like Jesus and like the kids and sit under a tree and stuff like that. Like in elementary school, we read it. Yeah. I've skimmed it. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, <laughs> the other guys. <laughs> Another one about that guy and his colourful clothes. Um... Do I think the Bible is relevant? I think uh, parts of it are definitely relevant, but a lot of it might be a little bit out of date. I honestly don't remember anything from the Bible. I think the lessons that it teaches around, I think, yeah. It's relevant to people, maybe for some people, but not me. I think the Bible is inspirational and kind of frustrating at times. In the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire predicted that the Bible would become a museum piece within 100 years of his lifetime and replaced by more advanced philosophies. But today, the Bible remains the most popular book in the world, the most successful literary creation of all time. Each year, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. The YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded over 200 million times. The Bible is the best-selling book of the year, every year. In fact, it's so popular that it's excluded from weekly bestseller lists. The Bible would be the top seller every single week, week in, week out. Many people would say that the Bible is the most popular book of all time because it's also the most powerful. It has the power to change individuals and to change societies. On her Let us pray. So dear Jesus, as we look at this book now and what it says and what it means, Help each one of us to understand it a bit better, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got this bin bag this morning, basically, with a, with a few things in it. I wonder if anybody would like to take anything out of the bin bag this morning. It's not rubbish, by the way. Just, I better just check, actually. No, it's not rubbish. Anyone want to come and check, take something out? Come on out, then. Come on, let's see. Right. You could close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. You could take the first thing out. Go on, what do you want to take out? Right, okay. What is it? Do you know what it is? What is it? Open your eyes. Tell them what it is. Tell your brother what it is, Harry. You know what it is? Not quite. What do you think it is, Harry? It is a sword. It's not bad a sword, is it? You know my, it's a sword. Who's going to hold the sword? Right, who can hold the sword? Right, you've got to go and sit next to your mum and dad and keep hold of the sword until I need it. Who wants, wants to go? There's two things gone. Put your hand in. 
What have you got there? Hammer. It is a hammer. Now then, can you look after the hammer until I need it? Right, there's one more thing in. Go and share it out. I might give you something else, actually. I've got something else in the other bag. Do you know what that is? It's not a pen. Do you want me to tell you what it is? It's a scalpel. Your parents are suddenly getting very worried. Now, you need to keep the top on. Now, you need to go and sit down with the scalpel until I need it. Okay? Brilliant. Go on, have a look inside. What is there? It's two hammers. Can you look after that hammer as well until I need it? You see, we're going we're gonna to think this morning. Just go and sit down with your, with your mum until you need it, and we'll, we'll go from there. You see, we're thinking this morning about this particular book. You know, it was once said about this book, Richard, if we could just look at, the, look at the slides on the screen. It was once said about this book, these words. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Anybody know who those words were said to? You would need to be a bit old to remember them. Go on, Martin, tell us. They were. They were told to the Queen when she became Queen in Westminster Abbey. You know, they presented her with a book and they said this. It was this book. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. Just think about those words for the moment and think about the Queen. You know, when you think about the Queen's life, think about all the huge palaces that she lives in. Those big houses that she, she kind of lives in. Think for a minute of all the precious jewels that she's got. Think just about that day when she became queen and she got a crown put on her head. And if you've ever been to London and seen all those jewels, or she was given certain things like she's, the queen has got the biggest diamond in the world. The biggest diamond. It's worth more than 400 million pounds. Just think about that for a minute. And yet she was also presented with this book. We present you with this book. The most valuable thing that this world affords. Now I've got a question for you. Do you think the Queen believes it? Because I do. I think the Queen would quite happily settle for not living in Buckingham Palace. I think she'd quite happily give all away her jewels and everything else just for this book. And you see it every year by the way she, she lived her life. And so what I want us to think about this morning is I want us to think about the value of this book and how much is this book worth to you. And as we think about that, I just want us to think very quickly about three things. Here's the first thing I want us to think about. You know, when we think about the Bible, if I was to say, right, what we're going to do is this. I want you to pick up a Bible and I want you to tell me all the books in the Bible from start to finish. Who thinks they could do it? Apart from the, you know, it's very interesting, isn't it? You know, when, when people talk about the Bible, you know, you, might, you kind of think sometimes, oh, well, 
Well, yeah, well, it, there's, it's in two parts. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. There are 66 books in the Bible. It starts in Genesis, it ends in Revelation. And people tend to talk like, like that. They talk about knowledge. But the most important thing about the Bible isn't so much about knowledge. It's not about what, it's about who. You see, most of us know this very famous building. You know, we go to London. We see all these skyscrapers. And yet you could still see this building. And of course, if I was to say to you, who built that building? Well, you'd probably say to me, it was Sir Christopher Wren. But he never actually laid a single stone. He, if you like, was the architect behind it. And when we think about, think about the Bible, there's an author. All scripture is God-breathed. You know, just think about those words this morning, about what they say. All scripture is, is, is God-breathed. As you know, I went on a bit of a Greek course in July to refresh my Greek. So I now translate every passage before I preach it from Greek to English. Basically, just to kind of get a bit more into it. There's a very interesting word there, God-breathed. Just think about it, God-breathed. What does it mean? This is what it means. It's one word, theopneustos. It just means, because theo, what does theo mean? God. That's why Rachel and John are called their son, Theo. God. Pneustos means to breathe. Just think about that for a minute, what, what it's saying about the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God spoke. You know, if you were to read the Bible in its original languages, in Hebrew and Greek, and you were to look at each different kind of book within the Bible, you'd see how the writing style is different. Because they use their human personalities. Just like if, if I got someone to write a letter and I got someone else to write a letter, you would write it differently because we express our personalities. And that's exactly how the Bible was written. But there was one author, one architect behind it who was God. And that's why the Bible is so valuable. First of all, because it was written by God. But there's another reason why the Bible is, is so valuable, and it's this. It has the power to change lives. You know, when we think about Bible stories, let's just think about Bible stories for a moment. Most of us might have grown up with some Bible stories. We might know some Bible stories, but I found some emoji Bible stories. Now, we all know what emojis are, don't we? You only need to have a smartphone to know what emojis are. Even my mum who is 77, uses emojis on her texts to me. And I'm still trying to work out what they mean. But, but anyway, she used them. So let's see. Let's see if we can guess the Bible story from the emoji. Anybody think they know what it is? That's right, it's the story, story of Adam and Eve. What about this one? What is it? Daniel in the lion's den, yeah, yeah. Oh, what about this one? Noah's Ark, yeah. Try this one. 
Jo- Jonah and the whale, right, they're going to get a bit harder. You might have to think a bit more. What about this one? Oh, you've got that easy. The fall of Jericho. Or the last one? The wedding at, the wedding at Cana and, the wedding at Cana Gallery. When you came in, you should have been given one of these. Did you get one? Hold it in the air if you got one. Who got one of these? Don't be shy. They didn't go out. Okay, right, here we go. Right. We're going to be thinking, the reason why we're looking at this is because a group of us on a Tuesday night over the next eight or so Tuesdays are going to be looking at the Bible and and what it all puts together and how it all works. You see, often when I was a child and when I went to Sunday school or, or that sort of thing, or even when we talked about the Bible, we used to talk about Bible stories in the plural. But what you see through those shapes is an expression of what the Bible overall means. Because the incredible thing about the Bible these days is that actually there's lots of Bible stories in it, but there is one overarching story. And that's why it's so valuable, because it tells you the most and answers the most important questions that you ever need to answer in life. As to why am I here? Why on earth did Jesus die for me on the cross? Those are the most important questions, the questions about salvation. And then there's one final reason. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Each week we're going to be looking at an object. You know, maybe as you, maybe as you look at those objects and you start to think, well, what on earth does that mean? And actually, if this book is so valuable and I don't understand what those objects mean, then maybe... It's a question to us to actually ask, how am I going to learn what those objects mean? But there's a final way that the Bible is so valuable. It's not just valuable because it's written by God. It's not just valuable because there's one story in it that is the most important story in your life. It's also valuable because of the words that it says for how to live our lives today. See, when you think about it, where are those three objects? Who's got the sword? Bring the sword out for me. Who's got the hammers? Where's the hammer? Bring them out. Who's got the scalpel? Bring it out. Be careful. No, no, no. Come back. Come back. There we go. Hold the sword. That's the scalpel. Should we get the scalpel out? We won't take the top off, though. See, hold the scalpel. Now turn around this way. Turn around and look at, look at everyone. Hold them high in the air. Watch them. Watch. You, see, just, you see, just look at those objects for a minute. A hammer, a sword, a scalpel. I don't know about you, but they... Yeah, but no. We won't worry about the blanket just yet. Can I have the blanket? Thank you. Just think about those objects for a minute. You know, you could do a lot of damage with those objects, couldn't you? Just think about it. Just think about how you use a hammer. Just think about how you'd use a sword. Just think about how you'd use a scalpel and when and where you might use them. You could do a lot of damage with them. You see, the Bible describes itself in the book of Jeremiah as a hammer. It describes itself in Ephesians 6 as a sword. It describes itself in Hebrews 4 as a scalpel. Why does it do that? 
because each of the ways in which it can be used is, is life-changing. I don't know if you've ever had... Just keep the top on that because it's very thing. You can go and sit down now. Keep the sword. Keep the hammers. Still for now. Keep the scalpel. I don't know if you've ever had where God will use a Bible verse to just speak to you. Anyone ever had that experience before? You see, sometimes what, what that Bible verse says is all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, in other words, for helping us. In other words, what it's useful for, it will expose things in our lives. Because if you read the Bible, because it is the breath of God... You will look at your life and you'll see what God says for how you should live your life and you'll see differences. But not only does it expose things, it also corrects mistakes because sometimes you, we get views about God, about what he's like. And actually, we need to read the book to actually tell us what God is really like. Because often the two don't, aren't the same. And then it also, it trains us. It helps us to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. And the one way, the most powerful things, and this is why the Bible is so powerful, it will use individual verses or passages to speak to us. So when I was a teenager, there was a verse, and teenagers still get told it today because I've been to these things, I've seen it. And the verse is this, it says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. And you might have heard that verse as a teenager, or certainly if you grew up in the church, and you might think, yeah. And it's, very, it's a very good verse, but what I actually realized was the most important part of the verse, people never tell you. It says, do not let, down, do not let anyone look down on you when you're young, but set an example for everyone else in your speech, in your faith, in your love, in your conduct, in your purity. In other words, what it was saying was the most important thing is, yes, don't let anyone look down on you for young, but don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, because you're going to set that example. You're going to set that example in the way in which you live your life, in the way in which you love, in how you conduct yourself to everyone else. In purity, well, that means pretty much all everything else, that when everyone else wants to drink too many drinks of alcohol, I'm not going to do that. Or when everyone else suddenly wants to do things that they shouldn't do with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, I'm not going to do that. That's what it means. And that's when it becomes so, so powerful. And then when I was, then I thought of another verse. I just thought I'd share one with you. Was, was, it was this verse. You know, when my life at a particular stage in my life was going AWOL, when it kind of wasn't going the way it should, there was a verse in the Psalms that God just spoke to me from Psalm 18 and verse 24. And it was the most beautiful words almost that I always remember of anything in the Bible. And it was this. It was God rewrote the text of my life. When I opened the book of my heart to his eyes, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. The most beautiful words. And then when I was thinking of becoming a priest, and I was thinking, I don't want to become a priest. And God was saying, you're going to become a priest. I don't want to become a priest, God, you're going to become a priest. And there were these words from Peter on the shoreline where Jesus said, you must follow me to Peter. And all of a sudden, that verse became important to me. And now, as a, if you like, as a, as a rector here, there's, there's, there's two verses that are really important to me. You know, and it's this. It says, be strong in the faith. Be on your guard. Be courageous. 
do everything in love. Because often, you know, those are most, some of the most powerful words for me as a rector. Because if you live them out, you're actually living Jesus. Be strong. Be courageous. Be on your guard. Do everything in love. Because when you have to be strong at times, when you have to be courageous, when you have to kind of do the things sometimes that you have to do, sometimes you don't want to do everything in love, if I'm honest. And those words are so powerful. And so as we finish, I just want us to think of those five words that we started with. All Scripture, all of the Bible is God-breathed. You know, if you think about that for a minute, you know, if you breathe in something, it affects you. All Scripture is God-breathed. So it's God breathing out. And so if you breathe in through reading what it is, you start to hear what He hears. You start to feel what He feels. You start to understand what's important to Him. And it, it changes you. You become more loving more compassionate. You become more caring, more forgiving. And that's why the Bible is the most valuable thing that we have. Why don't we stand together and we'll sing our next song.